It's great to be here this morning with Scotland's brave heart, Colin Henry. Hi, Colin. Morning, Donny. How are you? Very well. Very well. How's Keith? Keith, um, well, we've had quite a bit of snow, but um, it's a bit fresher today. So once I've finished, um, we are celebrating that bike up the Balloch for oh. a run around for an hour or so. Getting oh. wet and cold. But... Oh, that's great. Do you put many miles on in the bike, Colin? Put, uh, I do. Um, it's mountain biking. It's off-road, which I, uh, I prefer that because I know that I'm never going to meet any traffic. That's the beauty of it. Uh, and it's a bit um, it's a bit rough. It's a bit of a rough terrain. Um, and I do about maybe eight to ten miles a session, uh, about an hour, an hour and ten minutes. Uh, um, so, and if I do that three, four, some three, four times a week, sometimes I do a bit further. I've gone, I've gone down to the coast to Cullen a few times, which is like a 22 mile, 23 mile round trip. Um, but again, you see you're on the main road, Donnie, and, and ah. I just feel that I prefer the off-road stuff. That, that ah. So you've got a real incline at one point and mm. then you're doing the hill at the next. You don't get that in the main roads, but um, oh, it keeps you fit and it gets you in the fresh air. It's great at the minute. Ah, really that's, true. that's true. So tell us a little bit about who, who was your influences when you were growing up, Colin, over in Keith? Well, I can't. I mean, I, I, not very often do I get asked that question, but it's it's got to lie safely with my father. Yeah. Um, my dad. It's 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 a hell of a story, really. I mean, my dad um, was not sport minded. He wasn't a footballer. He wasn't into into the active side of it. But he, he when he can or when he could, he'd go and watch Aberdeen. It wasn't it very? It wasn't it very um, often? Very seldom. And of course, Scotland. Um, as a as a kid, as a sixteen year old kid, we ended up as a family we went to the World Cup in nineteen eighty two. Oh, so there, so there was so there was a World Cup club, um, yeah. in Keith, and we ended up doing in um, Fuengirola. We stayed in a hotel, um, and we, we seen the, seen the three games. And I ended up travelling when I travelled to the Brazil game in Seville. Um, I remember the hotel. <laughs> the hotel provided us a, a packed lunch. Brilliant. And of course, there's no there's no aircon in the buses in the coaches. And of course, by the time we got to <laughs> we got to Seville, the sandwiches are all soaking wet because the margin, <laughs> the butter is all melted. But that was one of the, the the things that I remember. Of course, the game was a great game. But no, my father um, he loved the game. He loved the game of football. Um, but the, the the when I when I talk about an influence, he my dad had about four or five different jobs. Donny, he, he was the hardest working man I ever knew. So he'd be up at five in the morning and start his work at six as a postman. Um, and then come lunchtime, uh, he'd finish. So that's his working day, but he did that every day for, for six days. Um, in the summer, summer he would, he's a driving school, so he's a driving instructor. So he'd, he'd learn people to drive from one, two o'clock until in the summer, eight, nine o'clock daylight. In the winter, it would be to five o'clock. And then he had the sweetie shop. So he, he had the sweetie shop and the fruiterers. So he'd go down there, do the till, stock the fruit up, stock the sweeties up, do all that at, at, at night. And then he was a community councillor. So he'd do a bit Amazing. for the council. And so he'd get up at five in the morning. And in them days, pubs closed at, well, they closed at 10, but he'd be in for the last half hour, half hour two whiskey chasers, yeah. him, bed, back up at five o'clock right. the day after. He did that six days a week. Oh. Um, and then on a, a Sunday, you never seen him till lunchtime because he'd catch up in those hours yeah. and have a, have a lie in. Um, 
but as what as hard work goes, it was well, it was in your face, Donnie, and yeah. you, you do as I do because you know it's it was mm. it was great to have been that sort of have 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 that sort of figure to lead yeah. you into your into your life, you know. Yeah, yeah, because as you as you said there, Carl, it's just you just get on with it, work really hard, and if you're in that environment, that's that's what you pick up, isn't it? They hide in places, don't you know? You could, you know, um, my then chores were when I when I go back for school at four o'clock would to be to set the fire, mm. or clean the clean the ashes out for the night before, set the fire. Um, then my mum would come back to the sweetie shop, the fruit us, she would then light the fire. Um, and I would just I would then uh, with a trailer, because we lived in top of the post office in Keith. And the fruit, the sweetie shop was like two lanes down, so I, I would fill the trailer. We everyone that had to go for the the sheds at the back of the post office, down to the sweetie shop mm-hmm. at whatever time Dad went down, opened up the shop, and then I brought everyone in. And then he did the stocking and the tilling of them. So there was a routine, there was a routine sort of thing. As I, you know, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years of age yeah. sort of thing. You know, cool. I remember you telling me when you were you were living above the, the post office about kicking the ball. Was it a kicking the ball against the, the thing yeah, as you went the back? What was what it? The sign? Yeah. At the back, at the back of the post office was where the, the vans were kept. And there was, there was two areas. There was a building in between those two areas. So the vans, and still to this day, um, the vans are kept in these two areas. But um, there's a couple of windows. We had one shed, and the other the other sheds belonged to the post office. Um, but they had windows in the shed. So when you're playing the footy, my aim at that time was probably as bad as it is now, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> so the wind the windows got broke a few times, Donnie. Yeah. So mum and dad wasn't happy with that because they had to pay to get them replaced. Yeah. And then eventually we did have the signs, no football allowed. They yeah. went up. And... Listen, I could go down that lane now, um, twenty twenty one, and these signs are still up. No, no game, no football allowed, mm. and it's still they're still there. It's incredible when you look back, isn't it? Because there's all these, all these kind of mementos or artifacts or whatever you want to call them, is it of your journey or you know, the side? Or you could, have, I'm sure you imagine you battering the ball against the sign almost. Yeah, oh, we did that a few times yeah. because we'd taken it out on the sign, sort of thing. Yeah. Aim for the sign. You know when the vans when the vans weren't there, um, but they always came back at lunchtime. So in a Saturday morning, sun, when a Saturday morning, for example, was the prime time to get a game of footy in this in the in the yard at the back, because the vans were out, we were off school. Yeah. Sort of thing. And how did you was football, you know, the the main sport in Keith? Like when I grew up and grew up, that's all anyone did. There wasn't any other sport apart from football. Yeah. It would have been the same in Keith, was it? Just yeah, football? exactly same. Nothing else. Don't need nothing yeah. else. When when you ball, when you if you had a ball, if you're lucky enough to have a ball, and you bust the ball, then yeah. what you'd end up doing is it'd be a can of coke, yeah. or an empty coke can, until that became decimated, and then you get another coke can until that became decimated. You just honestly, you you, you really just kick stones, you know. Yeah, yeah. You'd kick a stone to get have a game of footy. It's mad. It's when you think back as to what you went through, just to have a game. Just to I, get I can imagine that, call, isn't it? Because it then certainly my mom used to get on to me about um, the leather in the front of my shoes going from kicking the stones. Christ, I, <laughs> I think three times a, a term, three times, three times a year, mm. you get new school shoes. 
And every time you got the message, then I come back with them kicked out within a week or 10 days. <laughs> um, it's very difficult not to do that in 10 days, especially when you're playing footy on concrete. And what was your route into the professional game from Keith then, Colin? Well, I was with Isle of Ale um, as, a, as a 15, 16 year old, and there was about four or five of us. Um, and because I was tall, um, I got away with it a bit, Donny, to play in a man's game at that age. Um, but I was training with Keith from the age of 13, 14, and Bobby Wilson was manager. Yeah. So the junior side was the automatic from school football um, to go into. But then Keith had the, the youth team on a Sunday. Mm. So my, my, week, my weekend of football would be on a Saturday morning was a school team, Keith, Keith um, school team. Saturday afternoon would be Isla Vale. Um, and then on a Sunday afternoon would be the Keith youth team. So three games in two days, three games in two days. So you can imagine how I felt Sunday tea time. But it, it, it built you up. Yeah. It built you, it made you, it gave you. I mean, these days, I mean, people would say, well, that's not, you'd never be able to benefit from that these days. Yeah. But I definitely benefited in them days because it made a man of you. Yeah. And you would you have know, loved really, it. You would have loved oh, it. Oh. Every, every minute of it, yeah. every minute of it. You know, we were, we were lucky to have had the organisations that could um, have these in place in this area because, I mean, look at some of the, some of the kids these days that don't have the facility, um, even in 2021, you know, whereas in them days. And, of course, they'd say you'd never get away with that now. Well, you wouldn't get away with that now because, you, you know, the, output, the physical output for a kid to play three games in a weekend is ridiculous. Yeah. But, hey, we loved it. It was great. And you weren't a centre-half at this point, or were you playing centre-half in the school? As a kid, set half, centre forward. Yeah, forward. Um, Bringen, the, Bringen, the big Bringen centre half of the back to go up front to score the goal. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, I'd an eye for goal as a kid. Yeah. Um, and even when I was with Bobby Wilson, I was coached as a centre, as a striker. Um, and it wasn't until I got the chance to go professional that uh, I went as a striker, went to Dundee as a striker. Um, and then Don Mackay, he, he left Dundee, Archie Knox took over, Archie wasn't convinced. Um, so he converted me a bit to centre-half. And then I got a taste of that, and that's how it really came around. Um, between my, leaving Dundee and um, signing for Blackburn Rovers, I was more or less committed as being a centre-back. And because Sir Alex had a look at you as a centre-forward, didn't he? And he did. He did, yeah. yeah. Um, he had serious injuries up front. And I was playing for the Junior Scotland, um, North of Scotland, uh, against the National Junior Scotland as a warm-up game for them, through in Heathery Fold in Aberdeen. And I was only 16. Um, and we got beat 1-0 by the national side. And he just said, he said, um, I've been looking at you and I'll keep, I'll keep your dad's number and everything. And he said, you're just short of what I need at the minute. He, he, John Hewitt was out injured and can't remember who else. It might have been, it might have been Eric Black. Blackie might have been Eric at the time as well. So um, he did say, yeah. And many, many years after I'd met Sir Alex, and he said, from that day to this, I would never have known that you would have went on and been the biggest threat to winning the Premiership with Blackburn and yeah. captain in Scotland. He said, I would never have known that yeah. from being the kid of 15, 16 yeah. in Keith, which I nearly signed. Yeah. Um, 
and you know, and I said, oh well, you're lost, you're lost, Alex. <laughs> and I think that's what people forget as well. These are, you know, you're mentioning, you know, Bobby's team at Keith. That was good sides then in that Highland League, wasn't it? Oh, that was a top team of footballers, Donny. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm 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 lucky that I'm connected to the on Facebook to the to the Highland League um, Facebook page, and they're going through the names and the players, and that that was great. I mean, I remember Keith playing in. In the Scottish Cup, I think it was Berwick, Berwick, Berwick away in the combat. We got beat. I think we got beat at home by Berwick. I think it was 1980, 79, 1980, something like just before. Well, I wouldn't have been involved, but I was a great fan, obviously. Um, but I was training with the team, um, and that was a hell of a team that Bobby assembled. What a track record he had! Yeah, brilliant, and a, and a lovely man, a lovely, yeah, lovely man. Great guy. And when you when you moved from Dundee down to, to, to England. Did, it, did you, was it a big difference going to England to playing in Dundee? Well, well what, what happened was at Dundee was I was, I was a, a squad player more or mm. less. Um, when you went, I lived in the Hilton in Dundee and my digs. So if I'd go down the Hilton into the Keeler Centre or the, or the Wellgate Centre, just to pass the time in my, my room, my, my digs mate, Rab Shannon, who was firmly in the first team at Dundee at the time, Nobody would know me. Yeah. Nobody would know me if you had him, who I was and what I did. Um, and then in 87, in the, in, the, in the March, I think it was in 87, I signed for Blackburn. And within three weeks, I was at Wembley playing in the full Members' Cup final um, as a striker, scoring a goal three minutes before the end, the half volley for just inside the box. And in front of 40,000 people, 30,000 from Blackburn, and you go back to Blackburn and it's absolute hero worship. So you go from zero to hero in days. It just was someone else. Cause and even in them day, obviously there's no social media in them days, but you'd anywhere you walked, anywhere you did, everything, just people wanted a piece of you. It was it was mad. So you'd walk through the streets of Blackburn, not very often, but when you did it, you're just mobbed, mobbed in relation to walking through the street in Dundee yeah. three weeks earlier and nobody having a clue who you were. What was Man. it like, Colin, then, because that's an amazing story, to walk out of that iconic stadium in Wembley where, where 30,000, 40,000 people there, three weeks earlier, you know, you wouldn't have been playing to many people. What did that feel like to walk out at Wembley? Well, it was a new experience, obviously, for me. And when you think back and you look back now and I do stuff like this, Donny interviews and, you know, whatever. You try and explain that. I mean, I've said, listen, there's not, not a lot of Scotsmen have scored a winning goal in the cup yeah. final at Wembley. And then they go, Kenny Raglish, yes, he's right. And there's not a lot. No. I think maybe, you know, there's, I mean, I think Paul Dickoff scored the equaliser for Man City in the playoff final. But that was an equaliser, but he scored. Um, big Duncan Ferguson, I think Big Dunk might have scored, but there are very few... Scotsman yeah. scored a winning goal in the cup final. No. Obviously, Kenny did in the European yeah. European Cup. But so I take great pride in that, and it's a bit of a joke to a degree because there was, there was only forty thousand on a hundred thousand capacity stadium, but thirty thousand was from Blackburn. Yeah. So you know, for virtually for a population of one hundred twenty thousand, one hundred fifty thousand yeah. of Blackburn at the time, you're looking at twenty five percent of the population of Blackburn being at Wembley on that day. So, um, hell of a feat for them. You know? What do you think, Colin, it is about, 
about towns or cities like Blackburn um, around, you know, that whole Lancashire, Yorkshire area, which industrial, that, that football is, is a huge meaning to people around there, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you look at Blackburn, Bury, Burnley, mm. I think they found their members of the Football League mm. back in the 1800s, you know, they were the first teams, Bury. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. God, God rest them. I mean, sad, sad story that. But so that was where, mo- in that area, was most of the teams that came from when there was the initial beginning of, of oh. the, the football league. See, I didn't so know that. I went, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think if you, I think, I think, I'm not going to get corrected here. There is Huddersfield Town. I think might be yeah. in there. You know, there's a there's a few clubs that were the founder members of the football league, mm. and that them. Well, yeah. the teams that I mentioned, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's incredible. So that, you know, when you were there, you went from, you know, you said going down to the Keeler Centre to be able, you know, everyone knowing you in Blackburn. It seemed as if Blackburn was just the right place for you in, in a lot of different ways, was it? It's a great, I mean, how many Scotsmen go to England down the leagues and they just get forgotten about and they come back mm. to Scotland. That generally that's and, and that's what I can remember people saying to um my late wife Denise's parents, um my in-laws, Davy and Kath Duff and and David go to the clubby at the weekend where it was the, the, the a working men's club where they gave him a snooker or something and yeah. he said, Oh, see Colin's gone down to England. He said, Ah, he said he's got a, a bit of a chance. He said, Oh, he'll be back up here soon, he'll be playing for East Fife or Stenhouse mm. Muir or someone and it's just like written off you're like written Aye. off right away because Aye. you didn't make the mark at Dundee yeah. um, and people gauge it by that and they go yeah well it's, it's not all that anyway so you'll be back up here soon so yeah. although I don't know them and then, and then in, a, in an alternative way I prove people wrong yeah. um, I didn't have to, I didn't have to prove anything wrong I just had to prove to myself my capabilities and what level I was going to get to yeah. um, and the thing is Donnie is that when you go up the levels you strive to get to the next level. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing, the, the other thing is that the, the more, the more, the higher you get, the more professional you get. That's yeah. how I found. Um, because when I was at the peak, when I was at the top, with, you know, the, the Henry household, mm-hmm. um, with Denise and four kids and mm-hmm. two dogs, you know, everything went as I said it. And, and I was yeah. becoming more like that because yeah. I was striving to get better yeah. and better. And so yeah. it wasn't it wasn't always a nice place to be. Yeah, yeah, it's that <laughs> age of competitiveness. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the professional professionalism side of it yeah. was very very important to me because that's what got me there in the first place. But mm. the more you get, the more you want to get better yeah. at. Yeah. Do you think? I know you probably never noticed at the time, but when you reflect back, do you think that you know your family and your dad's hard work? And you know that roots of just working hard to to be the best you, you can be and provide and everything. Do you, do you think that kind of kept you going and pushed you oh, to the be sac- the best? The, the, the sacrifices that everybody made mm. um, was enormous, really. Um, mm. Like, I mean, for an example, on a Friday afternoon, I'd go to bed. And then Denise would have to attend to the kids coming back for school. Kids had to come back for school at four yeah. o'clock. Don't make a noise. Dad's yeah. sleeping. I mean, don't get me wrong, Donny, but I'm a house, so it wasn't. A, yeah. It wasn't. A, it wasn't as if you know we were in a two up, two down. But we're in a nice big house, and but still keep mm. two 
which the practices that we've installed in order mm. for Dad to make sure he has a good performance tomorrow mm. for whoever he's playing for, with Blackburn, mm. Rangers, Man City, whatever, Bolton. Mm. Yeah, that's really, and, and they, were, they were great at that. You know, the sacrifices mm. people made in order for, for me as a person to achieve what I've achieved, they've got to be thanked. They've got to be recognised. I, I think that's a brilliant point, Colin, that, that not a lot of people talk about or... You know, they'll see it just at a surface level as, as the sacrifices and the understanding of, as you said, Denise and the kids, to knowing mm. what to do to, to help you be the best you can be. And you, you all move forward, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, we all, re- yeah. we all reap the benefits because we'd, yeah. we lived in a nice home and yeah. we had nice holidays and we had a nice life and we've had a good yeah. life. And, you know, that's part of it. That's the, that's the, yeah. the, the rewards yeah. that you get. And everybody benefits, sort of thing. Um, it's, uh, Donny, it's, it's more or less the breadwinner. So in olden days, if if the man of the house is the man that goes out yeah. and works and brings in the money, and yeah. the harder he works, the better yeah. he gets. The yeah. better life is for everyone. Yeah. And it's just the same. It was just the same. I never ever get the sense from you, Colin, that uh, when you were playing, you ever you ever had that sense of right? I've done enough. <laughs> you know that you were always thinking, how can I get the best out of myself? Yeah, I mean, when I was a, I squeezed, my, I squeezed myself right to the end. Yeah. If I'm being honest, I mean, the body. I mean, I can't recall the amount of times I went under the knife. Um, it was on average once. It was on average once a close season, and yeah. I, I played twenty, eighteen, nineteen years. I think I played yeah. professionally. So in that in that period. 17 to 36, I think it was 35, 36. So in that period, I averaged out as because some seasons had maybe two operations or three operations, mm. and then other couple of seasons I, I did not a couple of seasons without not having an operation at all. And it was a lot of times only it was tidy up, tidy yeah, up operations, sure. nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing yeah. more than that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I squeezed myself right to the limit. I took yeah. myself right to the very, very limit, and and it had to take a, it had to take a manager to tell me that listen. You, you're, you're finished you, you know you're mm. finished you won't play at this level anymore because your body can't take it mm. and psychologically mentally I was in the zone mm. Donny I was there but yeah. when your muscles start ripping in, in your front of your very eyes my calves mm. both my calves I've got massive calves um, but the the, between the between my muscle calf and my Achilles, you have a you have a tissue called the yeah. soleus, the soleus yeah. muscle. Yeah, and the both soleuses and both legs went when I was mm-hmm. at Bolton. And Sam Sam Allardyce, he brought me in one day and I'd come back from injury and he said that you're looking good in training, you're feeling fit. I said, yeah, I feel great. I'm, I'm up for a game Saturday if I'm selected. I'm back in the squad, sort of thing. And he just said, he said, listen, Colin, you're finished. As brutal as that, he says, you're finished. You're finished at this level, son. And I'm, I wouldn't obviously. First thing you do is react to that. Nope, don't agree with that. But he was, but he was right. He was right. I just wasn't accepting it. You know, I was, mentally, I was just not accepting yeah. it. But he was right because the body was now telling me that it couldn't go on any, couldn't go on any longer yeah. to provide in the physical output at that level. Yeah. So I, I mean, I went, I went on loan to Preston and played a couple of games, and then I tore my calf again. And then I ended up getting freed. Well, I see my contract too. It went to Blackpool for six mm-hmm. months. And that was a lot easier to play in mm-hmm. in that period. Um, but hey, it happens to everyone. 
comes mm. to an end. I just wouldn't recognise it, Tony. Mm. Whether it was the the Keith, the northeast of Scotland, yeah. and me saying, you know, I will not give up. I am I not backing not. in. <laughs> it's hard, does. as you said there, though, hard to hear, cause isn't it? Hard to hear. Yeah, when when I look back on that now, that meeting with Sam, um, is brutal. That's the only mm. word I could describe it. Brutal. He was right. Mm. He was right. And 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 although I disagreed with him at the time and didn't accept and I wasn't going to accept it, he was right. And, you know, um, he's been proven right in that respect as well as. If we go back a little bit, Colin, what was it like to be part of that famous Blackburn team then? You know, that, that won the league. Yeah, I mean, we didn't, we didn't really... I mean, the, we, we, quali- we qualified for the first year of the Premiership through yeah. the playoffs against Leicester at Wembley. Another, another victory at Wembley for me. And um, within three years, we'd won the league in 95. And what... We were trying to create the time. I don't think, but that was never mentioned or spoken about or planned for. Yeah. Um, that was, I mean, don't get me wrong. We were looking to be successful mm-hmm. and to improve every year and get better. But to win the league within three years was never in the in the equation. I think, the, I think what Jack and Kenny had spoken about, as I understand it, mm-hmm. the story, was that within five years, Blackburn get into Europe after qualifying for the Premiership um, and we'd won the league after three years. So, and we'd yeah. progressed sixth, sixth place, second place and first, we won in the 95. And although we didn't speak about it, you could see it going that way. You could see that after the first season being sixth, you thought mm, we'll easily improve in that the following season, mm-hmm. which we did second. And then, then of course, what's, what's better than being second is when actually winning it which you would never spoke about, but you all, we always felt we had a chance. Yeah. And did you feel, as well as you know the, the results coming and the success coming, did you feel yourself and the, getting better as a team the whole time? Did you notice yeah. that? Yeah, because the way we played and how we played, it, you know, we played a 4-4-2 and in that system, really, mm. yeah, there's, there's no hiding place for any mm. of that 11 players that play. Um, the shift and the output from the wide areas, the fullbacks and the wingers. Um, so our fullbacks, Henningberg, Graham Lasso, mm. and then our wingers, Stuart Ripley and Jason Wilcox, who supplied mm. Sheeran and Sutton and Mickey Newell. You know, was a, that's a team. Yeah. That's exactly a team, Donny. You know, you know when they talk about teams and yeah. okay, I was at centre back, whoever I was with. Ian Pierce or Tony Gale, and then Tim Sherwood in the middle with Mark Atkins, who a lot of people thought it was David Batty when he only mm. played that three three games, I think, that season. So it was a team, and as a, as, a, as a team outfit, in order to go and win something, that's your players there, and there's no hiding place. Yeah. And what was it like? What was, um, was it Sir Kenny Dalglish now? What was it um, like having? You know, Kenny Dalglish, who I imagine from, you would have looked up to growing up in, in Keith. My what idol, was yeah. that like? Yeah. Yeah, Kenny was my idol. And, you know, when he went to Blackburn, when I was at Man City, mm-hmm. I thought, that's a stamp, that's a real mm-hmm. mark of intention from Jack Walker, mm-hmm. who took over the football club. Who, and I mean, Donny, that's the thing, accused of buying the league. First, well, no, they didn't buy the league because... Jack, in his infinite wisdom, invested lots, millions in players. Yeah. 
but then sold them for millions more. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> this, and now, listen, in the present day, that doesn't happen. Even mm. after us, Man United were buying Ro the Roonies and Ferdinands yeah. of the world for 20, 20, 30 million pounds, and they walk free. I mean, Shearer came for 3.3, goes for 15. Sutton comes for five, he goes for 10. I cost 25 grand in 87. I left there in 98 for 3.3 million pounds. So Jack, it was no mug. He wasn't he throwing the cash to win and just wipe, and wipe it under the slate as if... Because on top of that, he built the stadium. Yeah. He built the stadium and gave the stadium back to the, um, the town of Blackburn. And, you know, it's, it's great to be part of that and everything where it's a town club as you mentioned yeah. it's a town but haven't had that success yeah okay and you know i remember you speaking before about you know the vision the club had and kenny had in terms of building the team because it wasn't always obvious to people outside or sometimes even inside on who they were taking in and who they were letting go of no i mean the season the first season in the prem or even the season that before we got promoted Kenny was signing a player each week, and they weren't. They weren't. You're not talking like the time the most expensive player in England, three point three million, Alan Shearer, yeah. when we just got promoted. You know, there's a yeah. couple of hundred grand there, or five hundred grand here, or whatever. So, <clears throat> but he was doing it on a weekly basis to to create the squad, yeah. um, and not all the players that he did sign. Um, played right away. I mean, Tim yeah. Sherwood had a terrible start to his mm -hmm. career, the captain. He signed him for half a million quid from Norwich. Couldn't get a game in the team. People were like questioning the quality of the player and what his attributes were and what he was bringing to the team. And then <clears throat> eventually he gets a start, he gets a run of games and all of a sudden you've got a player in your hands. You've yeah. got you've got what Kenny knew right all along, but we didn't, yeah. <laughs> we didn't know all along. Because you can only gauge with what you're playing with and what you're looking at, sort of thing. Mm. But they've seen it's like Alan Shearer. I mean, that was an incredible bit of business. But 3.3 million in the mm. record, and you're thinking, and David Speedy, the catalyst for Blackburn for being mm. so successful throughout the playoff final at Leicester that season, going the other way, not even getting a chance to kick a ball in mm. the Premiership for Blackburn. The public of Blackburn are going, whoa, what's going on here? What mm. is happening? You know, our, our idol... How the, the, the one guy we're looking up to, <clears throat> um, you're letting him go. Yeah. Crazy business. But as 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 he's proven so many times, Kenny, you know, he, he he proved he proved everybody wrong and him right. Incredible, incredible that kind of vision to bring the team around. Yeah. And I, I loved what you said about as well, not just because it, you can't just buy a team as well and. and because other people have tried it and it doesn't work as well. But then that season, Donny, that yeah. season, Donny, with Wolves and Derby County, spend mm. more money. And, so, and one of them, I think, couldn't even get out of the, the division. Yeah. They couldn't even get out of the chat, the, the, well, the old championship, like yeah. um, the, the second division, is it? Well, yeah. the, the championship now, the division two sort of thing. They couldn't even get promoted, but they'd spent. Yeah. And they were wealthy, just as wealthy, I think, at the point at that time as, yeah. uh, as Jack Walker. <clears throat> just a, what is your fondest memories of that time calling a Blackburn then I imagine you have many yeah I mean I think just coming from what it was when I got there in 87 I played in front of well the first game I played was the semi-final of the full members cup uh, on the Monday night I was playing against Rangers reserves at Dens Park for Dundee 
Then I got taken off just after half time to be told that Blackburn had made an offer. You don't have to go yeah. if you don't want it. So I, I decided on that pretty sharply. And then on Wednesday night, I played 90 minutes against Ipswich, which we beat, they beat them 2-0 to make the full members cup. And there was only three sides of the ground, but there's yeah. still 17,000 in because it was a semi-final of a cup, obviously, yeah. that night. Then on the Saturday, your average, we go back to 4,500, 5,000 average gate. Yeah. Um, so coming from that to having a stadium in the Premiership and selling out, beating United at Man United at home, beating Liverpool at home, beating Arsenal, beating, beating all the top teams at home yeah. is a hell of a journey yeah. when you think about it. And me, I'm lucky because there wasn't very few of us. There was a couple of kids, two or three kids that, were kids at the time, Jason Wilcox, David May, but they were only kids in 1987, mm. 1988, 89. So they were coming through the youths. And by the time I'd come back in, in 91, they were like in the team, but yeah. virgin and breaking into the team sort of thing. So I was on my own as far as experiencing mm. the whole rise mm. from being a, an average or nearly a, sec, a, a, a Division Three club Mm. Um, from an average, less than average Division Two club to the Premiership champions. Yeah, incredible journey. And I remember you saying about, I can't remember what year it was, you said that you would be just training the equivalent of drowning the park, and, isn't it? There was no fancy training facilities. Oh, no, we, I mean, we trained doing it um, <clears throat> the crematorium um, in, in, in Blackburn, and uh, the pitches were lined up on the road up to the crematorium. Um, in Blackburn, and said very often that you'd, you'd there'd be a, a funeral procession going past, mm. and would stop, and you know, and stand still, and in recognition to the the, the the passing of whoever it was going up to the mm. crematorium or the, or, the, or the funeral area, and even when we got there in the morning, sometimes we'd pick up the dog, the dog business, oh. and everyone else, and and put up the goals, and. That's what it was, you know. That's what it was, and um, that was that was just part and parcel of even professional football. We'd still had to do that. Yeah, I think I think again that's a great point, Colin. Because so often, especially nowadays, people sometimes will tend to think of professionalism or giving your all as having all the fanciest gear. You know, once I get yeah. that, then I'll work harder. And you know, you just everyone around there just did what they had to do. Whatever the circumstances there. Yeah, everybody mocked in. There was never, it was not, there wasn't anybody that wouldn't get their hands dirty, Donny, in relation yeah. to out with the football inside of working hard and yeah. training hard and yeah. and running until you drop and that side of the game. It was also the other side of the game of a lot of things like picking up your 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 um your training gear and putting it in the right baskets, for example, yeah. as, as stupid as it is, yeah, you three yeah, baskets: yeah. a basket for socks, a basket for 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 slips and shorts, and a basket for the tops, mm-hmm. and just little things like making sure that they go in the right baskets. They baskets had to be taken by the, the, the apprentices through to the to the washroom to be washed by them. Mm-hmm. In them days, mm-hmm. there was no washer yeah. women or or, la- or laundry ladies or anything like that. Yeah. It was because I did that at Dundee. Mm-hmm. I did all that at Dundee. Um, so there was no such thing as a, as a... Of what there was, was you had your kit man between the kit man and the kids to organise the drying of the gear and then the kit's being put away for the next training session or the next game. Mm-hmm. So um, 
No, it wasn't. It wasn't just about working hard and in the game, or the or the actual profession. Mm-hmm. Loads of different outside, loads of different little mm-hmm. bitties in the outside. And what was Kenny like as a manager then? Kenny was man. A few words is he often is does look like, you know, publicly, um, but loved the laugh, the banter, very dry sense of humour. Um, he didn't say a lot. He took the te- he took the team meeting on his own virtually. Ray Harford didn't really know the mm-hmm. team that he'd select. He wouldn't tell anybody. He just kept it to himself. And then on delivery of the team and the tactics and everything, it wasn't a rant and a rave. It wasn't going on for 10 minutes. <clears throat> it was a good three or four minutes and that was yeah. it. Then Ray Harford would pick up on the tactical side and the different areas, the defensively, midfield and the, the attacking areas and, mm. you know, and different, I mean, it's sort of different these days to talk about between the lines and... <clears throat> all these different um, stereotypical ways of saying things. It's a bit yeah. different from our days, but it's more or less the same, Donny. Yeah. But Kenny, the one thing about Kenny was that when he, when he spoke or said anything, everybody listened. Yeah. It, he was, he's one of these characters that, and there ain't, there ain't a lot, but he's one of no. these characters. When he walked into a room, yeah. the presence yeah. was incredible. Just the, just the presence of somebody like that. For me, that was my, yeah, that, yeah. you know. Um, but no, he was he was very good at what he did and great success at it. Brilliant. And when you think of, as well, Paul, at the beginning of the programme, you know, I was, was mentioning Braveheart and we're going to your Scotland. What was the highlights of your Scotland career? Oh, well, to play in the World Cup and the Euros, yeah. you know. Um, God, the amount of stories I've got about the both is, you know, it could, it could be here for days, but just to have been part of it. Um, captain in Scotland in the World Cup was a great honour for me. Unluckily, unlucky for Gary McAllister, who was probably the best player I played with as well as, but all round, I should say. <clears throat> um, fortunate for me because of that. So it was something that, as a kid growing up, Christ, Donnie, it's light years away, millions of light years away, is, is the, something you dream about to something actually happening. Ridiculous. And Keith, I've been ridiculous. I know what you mean, yeah. Never going to happen. Never, ever going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because I imagine, I was trying to think when we were talking about Braveheart, because I'm sure the Daily Record or something, or the sand, isn't it? You were on the front the sand, was it? Yeah. The sun did the the, the double spread where they'd taken all the characters as a still from the movie and then re-implanted the face of all the squad for... um, for, for I think it was year 96. Um, yeah. And I was there like Mel Gibson, well, it was Mel Gibson on me. So I was always going to win the good looking race, <laughs> Donnie from hands down, <laughs> near Mel Gibson. But, um, and it was did along here and everyone else. And Braveheart uh, came out the movie, I think, about a year before, 18 months before. Uh, and Sunday put it in, and it just stuck and it stuck since. So. Uh, you play up to it a wee bit, but it's, it's, it's not big deals, but the brave heart. But no, playing in the Euros 96, especially because um, it was in the, these, these soil, you know, it was in England. Yeah. Um, and the World, but the World Cup in France, the opening game, you know, in yeah. front of so many million people that oh. watching it, it was just an incredible feeling. It and really, what was really it was. like to, say for that game, 
against Brazil. What was it like to lead your country out in that, in that moment? Well, it's the proudest moment I could ever have. In, in, well, I've, I've, I mean, I tell you what, there's a lot better people and a lot of people that have won a lot more than me would have loved to have been in my position mm -hmm. on that day. That's the way I look at it. I was very, very lucky, very, very fortunate, but very, very proud. And um, my father, he well, he, he passed away 13 years ago now, uh, but he he seen it. He was there, and that's yeah. one of the one of the greatest things that uh, him and my late wife Denise, you know, for the two of them to have witnessed it and seen it and been there, um, gives me great pride to think that they, they, they witnessed it. Yeah, because it's, it's almost the, the circle from you going with the family to the World yeah. Cup in 82, isn't Mad. it? Oh. It's a, I mean, I think they tried to do stories at the time, the media, about us going in 82 mm. to then 16 years later. Um, you know, it's just, it's mad walking yeah. out. Because that was in Spain in 82 and it was only in France in 98 sort of thing. Mm. So crazy how it evolves and comes, well, not evolves, but it comes round to being from a supporter in the stand at Seville, Brazil beating Scotland 2-0, to being on the pitch yeah. in, in Paris and Scotland getting beat 2-1 unluckily as well, yeah. you know? Just incredible. Okay. I, uh, so everyone remembers that game. I think I, I you know, I yeah. work with people all over, not just Scottish people, and everyone, but I'm surprised how many people remember that game. Because it was the opening yeah, game, I mean, wasn't it? With, 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 with what we've gone through nationally, or the world, I should say, COVID at the minute, the summer just gone, there was quite, because of the lockdowns and everything, there's quite a lot of TV where they were replaying. The, the, the famous games and, you know, Blackburn winning the championship mm -hmm. in 95. They, they went through everything on TV because mm -hmm. there's no football played either or no sport even. So they were trying to keep, um, the well, the, the public at large interested mm -hmm. and reminding them. It was reruns and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it was something that, you know, just you, to my dying day, yeah. it'll be, it'll, it goes with me. Donny, you know, and, and the good thing is as well is that we've now qualified yeah. for the Euros uh, in, in the summer. We've got two games at Hamden, we've a game at Wembley. Yeah. So, you know, with a bit of luck, with the grace of God, the fans will be able to see it and get, and get in to watch it. And, and, and that team that you were a part of there, that, that I suppose that was, when we look back now, you're not aware at the time, that was kind of, I suppose, the end of a golden age at that point for Scottish football, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the man responsible for that was Craig Brown, you know, for the period that he was in charge. Um, and although, and you get criticism, doesn't matter how good you are, Donny. I mean, Sir Alex Ferguson gets criticised, Kenneth Aguish gets criticised, and if they're getting criticised, then hey, we're all going to get criticised, yeah. aren't we? We've, yeah. We're not going to escape. But, you know, you, when you look back at the feat that, that Craig had managed to achieve and the two uh, qualifications mm. um, is incredible, really. And down to him, really, mm. really, really down to him. You know, you've, you've still got a body of players to manage and look after. And an international manager doesn't have the same um, inroads to a player psychologically mm. or anything like that mm. because you're only dealing with them maybe a week of four weeks in a month um, over the course of a season, a year when you're trying to win qualification games to qualify for the Euros or World Cup yeah. or whatever. You've not got a lot of time with these players. 
So you can't really get into their heads. Yeah. But you can. You've, you've got to be able to manage them. Yeah. As well as being a coach, you need to manage them. Yeah. And that's what Craig did really, really well. Yeah, he must have had a, a right, clear idea of how he wanted you to play and everyone's strengths. Yeah, I mean, we, did, we, did, we, did, we, didn't, we didn't change the way we played. Yeah. We played to our strengths. Difficult to beat. It can nick a goal here and there. Sometimes against the, the lower teams or the weaker teams, mm. your, your Lithuanias or your San Marinos or Estonias or whatever, you know, we wouldn't really change a lot tactically from the setup, what mm. we, the way we the way we'd go out and play, but would be more attack minded because you'd think, well, hold on a minute, we should really be beating these, yeah. and the, and the, and we would we would beat teams quite convincingly, albeit one 0 or two 0 but when you looked at the game, it was quite convincing, mm. you know. And just as we kind of wrap up, just now, Holly, if, if you know, if you came from, as you said, there a small village, Keith in the north of Scotland, going to Spain with your family at the World Cup, to leading Scotland out against Brazil in the, the World Cup, you know, if if you had any advice to any young players, whatever they are, to you know, to go and make the best out of their their talent, what would your advice be? Well, the, the, well, they could look at what's happened to me. You know, their parents would tell them, you know, some of the parents might still be young enough, might not even remember me right enough, but, and chase the dream. Mm-hmm. If they really love the game that much, and it doesn't have to be football, it can be any any sport, it can be any walk of life, really, Donny. Yeah. Um, there's going to be examples of people being successful and, and mm-hmm. reaping the benefits of the hard work. Yeah. And it all goes back, it goes back to my dad, where my dad worked so hard, and I thought, you know what, if I work as hard as him, I might, I might achieve something in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did. And yeah. listen, I wasn't the best. Donny, I was never the greatest footballer. Um, you know, when I, I managed in the period that I was at Blackburn and we won the league, I managed to be in the, 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 the Premiership Team of the Year twice, mm-hmm. which then my peers, are, they're selecting me, they're picking me, mm-hmm. which recognition to me is that I must have been half decent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I wasn't the greatest. And that's and the harder you work at trying, you can never work too hard. You can never work too hard, but you've got to enjoy yourself as well. Yeah. So for anybody that's listening, you've not you're not just in football. If you work hard enough, you enjoy it. The harder you work, you might get something that you're not expecting. Yeah. You might just get lucky, and you and hey, it's a great life. It's yeah. been a great life. That's a brilliant message. I loved what you said there, Colin. You can never work too hard. You know that yeah. is just. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can never work. You can never work too hard, and it's not just a. I'm just talking about all different yeah. walks of life, really. You yeah. know, um, never, never accept as something being the best you can do, because ah. to the day after you can do better again. Believe me. Brilliant. So thanks very much for taking the time out of your day, Colin. It's been brilliant. Great to talk to you again, Donny. Thank you. I got you. Thank soon. you. Cheers.